Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Thank you for listening to the late-breaking F1 podcast. Make sure to look out for new episodes every Thursday and Grand Prix Sundays. Hello and a very warm welcome to the late-breaking F1 podcast presented by Harry Yeed, Sam Sage and me, Ben Hocking. It's another preview podcast. The third of three races in this triple header as we go to Qatar for the first time ever. Who knows what's going to happen? The championship still remains close. Both championships up for grabs and the controversy keeps coming off track, but we might well get to that a little bit later on. Another preview pod. We're back again. Yeah, it's like in the famous words of DJ Khaled. Another one. Um, no, I don't feel like I did that justice. Hold on. In the, in the famous words of DJ Khaled. Another one. Um, I had to move quite far away from the microphone for that because it was quite loud. Um, yeah, we're in Qatar. Well, we're not in Qatar. Formula One's in Qatar for the first time. If anyone, again, I'm going to ask the question. Any very wealthy people listening would like to take us to Qatar to see the Grand Prix, we are very much open to the offer. Um, otherwise, we'll be watching it at home and it'll be fun, just like the rest of you lot listening. I mean, you know, thank, thank you to everyone that listens because, you know, week by week, this podcast is, is gaining more and more listeners. But the odds are that one of them soon listening has got to be a bloody billionaire. It's got, like, the odds are in our favour here, surely. Jeff, if you listen... I could be your friend. Um, yeah, I mean, also, just, this is random, for the first time ever, um, we broke into the top 250 US sports podcasts on iTunes, which is amazing. So we were in the top 250 biggest American sports podcasts uh, for the week, which is amazing. So thank you for the US, for all your support. It's so I'm so happy to be a friend of the USA. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we're just fooling you with our accents. I mean, we, we really don't know anything. So maybe it's just our accents that make us sound like we do. Maybe that's yeah. the appeal. Who knows? Toodle um, pip, a burger and chip. That's how we all speak. Well, that proves the point, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> if Let's the, actually talk about it. Come on. Actual F1. 
if the DJ Khaled reference to start the podcast didn't prove it, then that definitely did. Um, <laughs> but thank you for that. And just as you said, went ahead with the DJ Khaled reference, Sam. That reminded me, we actually had a tweet very recently about Sam and his volume. Um, uh, when he goes Sorry. Statman, um, it's something that he regularly shouts out whenever I provide a statistic of any sort. Uh, and according to one person who got in touch with us on Twitter, it actually raises um, the, the decibel amount by three times what is the advised <laughs> amount, which the only surprise <laughs> is it's not more than that, really. <laughs> I'm very sorry to all headphone users that have to listen to Statman. I just hope you enjoy the pain as much as I enjoy forcing my vocal cords to go that high. I I imagine it. Well, we will start the actual podcast in a minute. But when Ben starts reading off a stat, everyone's like, "Oh no!" Like <laughs> everyone gets a, a, a small warning. <laughs> yeah, walk away from your headphones and get behind something for cover. <laughs> yeah, I think we should actually talk Smith one now. Yeah, go now, now you've said it. All right. Um, Antonio Giovinazzi will not be racing for Alfa Romeo next year, and it will be Guan Yu Zhou in the car. Um, thank you, Alfa Romeo, for announcing this prior to us recording. Most teams don't usually oblige to that, so thank you for that, although Giovinazzi probably isn't as thankful as we are. But we'll be discussing that one a little bit later on. Uh, the Mercedes-Verstappen-Hamilton incident isn't going away yet. Mercedes are reviewing that, or have asked the stewards to review that. We'll be discussing how that's going down. Uh, an F1 back and forth makes a return, makes an appearance to close the podcast out. But we will start with the Qatar preview. So Mercedes, Lewis Hamilton taking the victory at Brazil, giving them a bit of much needed momentum. The question is, are they going to hold on to it on a circuit that no one really knows anything about outside of sim races? So, Sam, what do you think? Can you even try and guess who's going to have the advantage based on the randomness of the last few weeks i mean the answer is no and we'll end the podcast there folks thank you very much for listening honestly you're asking me to make a prediction based on something that no one has any idea about which i mean i make predictions based on things i don't know anything about on a weekly basis so this shouldn't be any real difference um This Qatari track that we're going to is, I believe, very much set up to be a bike track. And the last time we raced up at a track that was expected to be more bike track focused was indeed Portimao in Portugal. And I think that most people would agree with me, actually, when that turned out to be quite an enjoyable Grand Prix. We had a lot of fun at Portimao. It was a bit like a roller coaster. We enjoyed it. So if the Qatar track, which, Ben, you'll know it. What's the name of the circuit? Do you know? Uh, Los Losail, Losail, Losinger, Losinger. Losinger. That's the one. Yes, Losinger. So if if the Losinger Grand Prix can clear a little bit of you know tension in the throat and provide some whooping and hollering, our American friends definitely always say. Um, then yeah, it will be a great one. We've had some reassurances from the in, in the press from the um, the kind of the leaguers in the Qatari area that um, this track will definitely be one where overtakes are present and they can happen. Um, there is a big long straight on the start finish straight, so possibly some big DRS passes could be had there. Um, but also on the other hand, we've also had a statement released from Mercedes, and you know this could be true or it could be self-deprecating. We don't know with Mercedes that that engine's power advantage that they had in Brazil is likely to fade off very very quickly. Um, so it, it is anyone's game, and with the rule book quite literally put through a shredder, fed to a dog, and when that dog has departed with the mess, it is set on fire. That is how confusing the rule book has been this season. 
anyone could come out on top. Quite literally anyone could be on the top of the game here. So for Lewis Hamilton, for Max Verstappen, they need to make sure that they are doing absolutely everything in their power to take full advantage of the situation, to maximise what's going on there, and to really... You know, in all the chaos, in all the confusion, all the uncertainty, you need to be the one person that is able to grab the small part of whatever there is there and make sure that you solidify a certain result for yourself. You need to push your way through that chaos and make sure you're the one person that is able to really hammer home a, um, a first place and take home those extra points. Because I imagine Max Verstappen is, you know, maybe a little bit unnervy about what's going on with the investigations that we're going to discuss later and because of that he might want to immediately get back on the horse and get back on that top stop to mitigate any more points that could be lost should a post-race penalty be applied and Lewis Hamilton will want to carry that momentum on even with a slightly weaker engine after the Brazilian Grand Prix it looks very much like he is bouncing after that last one and I'm sure he'll want to make sure that he closes the gap again because if he wins here the gap comes down to a first to second place gap so it's um it's exciting. It's a very exciting final three races for the season. And Qatar is quite possibly the biggest uncertainty of the three. What are your thoughts on this, Harry? It's uh, it's obviously a very close fight between them. Would a Verstappen win here really just crush the momentum that Mercedes managed to basically wrestle back in Brazil? Um. Well, yeah, it certainly it certainly stopped the momentum. But I don't I don't know whether this season's really been based on momentum to be to be honest, because we've seen it swing backwards and forwards between the two drivers so much, and uh, you know, indeed the, the both teams. So I don't know whether that's actually true for 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 this season. But um, you know, I'm sure Verstappen will want to try and get back on top after after what was a bit of a brutal defeat in the end against Hamilton in 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 Brazil. Um, terms of who's gonna who is gonna be out on top i mean as sam said we have got absolutely no idea in terms of an exciting race i think it should be okay i think it is it it is a bike circuit but i think it's kind of bahrain-esque in a way um so i think we might we might do all right out of it but um yeah the form book doesn't exist this year so going to a race where we've never been to, to before in f1 means that it's non-existent. There's just no form book whatsoever. So anyone's game this weekend. Um, expecting it to be tight again between Mercedes and Red Bull. Maybe they'll take each other out. Don't know. Could happen. I think they're going to get closer and closer to it every race we get as we get towards the uh, end of end of the season. So we'll see. Um, but yeah, I couldn't call who's going to be out on top. I know we have to make some predictions in a minute, but I don't, I don't think I can call who's going to come out on top in between. Verstappen and Hamilton, to be honest. Yeah, I think I think the way that the calendar has worked out this year has inadvertently is going to cause some chaos towards the end of this year because there really isn't any normality between now and the season end. You've got Abu Dhabi, which is somewhat changed this year. You know, you've got a few corners that have been redone. You've got Qatar, where there's never been a Formula One race before, and then you've got Saudi Arabia that might not even be a circuit. You know, that, that's probably the most, the biggest question mark of the lot. Maybe, you know, Red Bull have got Alex built. Albon doing simulations around a, a sand pit or something. I, I, I don't know. What, what else are you going to do at this point, moment in time? It, it's so difficult to tell what that circuit is going to be like. And the first point, is it going to exist? Um, but looking at this week, I mean, Qatar itself, speaking of Alex Albon, he's actually come out and said, and a few others have said this as well, that... 
there are so many different lines into multiple corners going on this weekend. So you might actually find that some of the drivers have very different styles and, and how they approach this racetrack. And some might well get it right, some might well get it wrong, um, which could which could you know spice things up quite a bit. You know, when when you go to a circuit that you've got all this data at, you know exactly what lines you need to take into every corner and you're just much more sound about the predictions that you have about how a racetrack is going to perform but here at qatar no experience whatsoever it is as you say a, a circuit that is designed with motorcycles in mind and as a result of that you've got multiple lines into a lot of these corners so how you approach it is going to it's going to be a big factor going into the weekend I agree with what you said, Harry. I don't think the form book can tell us much. Um, you know, Mercedes did very well in Brazil. Hamilton did very well in Brazil. Um, but is, does that mean they're going to do well here? Not necessarily, because Red Bull did very well at the previous two rounds, one of which they didn't expect to do well based on previous performances. So the form book just does not exist whatsoever. Um, and as a result of that, we can only we can only judge by what we see. What I guess we can do is look at a few new circuits that we've had or, or recently brought in circuits that have been away for a long time to have a look there and see how did Hamilton and Verstappen approach those. Um, Hamilton, you would say, has somewhat of an edge just based on the amount of different circuits that he's won at, um, particularly new ones that have come about the last couple of years. So maybe he looks at that quite favourably, but... It's so difficult to tell uh, at this point in time. I wouldn't want to put a lot of money on it one way or the other. That isn't the only championship that is being... Uh, the only position in the championship that's being fought over, first and second between Red Bull and Mercedes. The other, the other question is Ferrari versus McLaren. Ferrari have taken a bit of advantage over the last few races. Um, very solid fifth and sixth at Brazil, whereas McLaren struggled. Harry, do, do McLaren desperately need a result here just to bring themselves back into that equation? Yeah, I mean, in I mentioned before, you know, I don't think the main championship battle has been momentum-based. Um, but in terms of McLaren-Ferrari, I think it definitely is. I, you know, early on in the season, McLaren were absolutely crushing it, at least in the form of Lando Norris. Um, Daniel Ricciardo has come on stronger as the, as the year has gone on. Um, but their championship challenge which you know you would have said earlier on in the year looked like a very good third place was on the cards again um but it's come unravel uh, you know, starting to unravel quite quickly and you know last weekend was a bit of a disaster for them uh so yeah i think mclaren desperately need a good result to halt the momentum that ferrari have because they've just been you know smashing it out at the moment as we said they try their best not to but they've still been kind of smashing it out as the best team, um, despite their best efforts. So, uh, yeah, McLaren desperately need a, a good weekend for both of their drivers. Um, you know, Ricardo was unfortunate to retire. It wasn't his fault, but, you know, was he on for a decent result? McLaren didn't look very strong all weekend, to be honest. Um, so, yeah, so both drivers need need a decent result here. I I don't I can't really work out which which kind of track suits the McLaren, but I think this track will be better for them than maybe Brazil was. But then I would have said Brazil would have been good for them. So um, who knows? We'll, we'll see. But um, yeah, it's a it's a big weekend for for Maca if they're want to try and steal third in the championship. 
I, I saw this stat um, on Twitter, and I can't get a stat man for this because it's not my own stat before you get excited. Um, <laughs> I, I found that um, there's been somewhat of a sequence this year where there's been a one-race gap between McLaren, basically McLaren started the year by having a one race gap, then a podium. They then had a two race gap, and then they had a podium. Three race gap, podium. Four race gap, podium. And now they've had five races without a podium. So if you're following the sequence, there should be a podium for them this weekend. But if Harry predicts it, you know it all unravels from here. You just got your you, you got your prediction one week early. I'm afraid Harry on that one. Um, we'd be predicting McLaren would be on the podium last week. So maybe that's it. Um, <laughs> Looking at McLaren versus Ferrari, Sam, do you do you have any strong predictions either way as to how this will go? We know that Ferrari definitely have the momentum. Do you think that maybe McLaren, who have fallen off the pace slightly towards the end of the year, is that actually a good sign that maybe more of their focus has gone on their car next year? I'm just surprised to have seen how quickly McLaren have ended up in the mud, to be honest. But, you know, Lando Norris is... Not slacking, but he's definitely not hitting the same heights that he was for the first eight to ten races of the season. I think maybe up until the Spa area, Monza definitely. Um, a lot of us were touting Lando Norris could be our absolute driver of the season at that point, you know. And I would argue that that's definitely slipped off. Daniel Ricciardo has improved his performances, but he's still not being ideal. He's still not been the same Ricciardo that we're used to seeing at maybe the end of Rango when he was at Red Bull, despite having a victory this year, which is crazy to say. That's how insane this whole season has been. But Ferrari, okay, despite them spending more than literally any other team by an absolute mile, um, the, the partnership of Charles Leclerc, who is, I would argue, as good as always, and Carlos Sainz, who has acclimatised to the Ferrari scene so quickly, so much faster than I ever thought he would, is right on the heels of his teammate. They are just delivering week in, week out. Consistency is key. They are not going ahead and winning races. They are not going ahead and claiming second and third in races. But they are always the best of the rest at the moment. And Brazil was another example of that. Stayed out of trouble, delivered when they needed to, and brought home really valuable points when only one McLaren picked up one point. That's just not good enough from the Papaya Boys. So, um, Papaya Boys is, of course, a sequel to the Venga Boys, by the way. Um, but I am I am really quite surprised in the decline in McLaren's form. I don't know if it's maybe track variance or if it is, as you said, Ben, because McLaren have decided, you know what, we're going to take a punt on the new regulations and now is when we're going to start developing. And Ferrari maybe haven't done that. Um, and we've already said in this podcast, the form book is so far out the window... Um, that we don't know what tracks the teams are going to perform well on. We thought it was long corners at one point that Ferrari struggled on. Then we thought it was going to be tight and twisty corners that McLaren were better at, and it wasn't. It was all very confusing to see how one happened and then the other. So, again, at Qatar here, it's, it's such an unknown track, it's such an unknown entity, that this could go anyone's way. But I would say that the fight for third place is more form-based. And I, again, wouldn't be surprised if McLaren are picking up the uh, the development of next year's car, so I could quite easily see this going Ferrari's way again. The fight for third could very much be down and out by the end of this weekend. I mean, I always like to say that no matter what the situation is, Ferrari will find a way to mess things up, and often they find a unique way to mess things up, which just makes them even better. Um, and I'm not going to deviate away from that because even if they secure third place this year, I think that will probably be... What will happen is they will put all of their effort in securing third this year, and at the end of the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix, they'll go, ah, should we start work on next year's car now? 
And then, <laughs> yeah, that's a good idea. Um, so I'm half expecting that to happen. But yeah, Ferrari have clearly got the jump here. They had something of a potentially awkward situation in Mexico where Carlos Sainz was faster than Charles Leclerc. Um, they managed that very well. You know, bigger picture, Constructors' Championship matters more than Drivers' Championship does in a season where they're going to finish, you know, they're going to finish alongside each other, sixth and seventh probably. Does it really matter which way round they are? They've both been very strong. The Ferrari management know they're a great team. And, and they, they just managed that situation very well to ensure that there wasn't going to be an embarrassing crash over a position that ultimately didn't really matter. Um, so, yeah, I think Ferrari are playing the team game very well. Consistency as is key, as you've already mentioned. Um, and I think they should probably have enough to see it out here. And if you're McLaren, or if you're a McLaren fan, probably, you're just crossing your fingers and hoping the reason that this has happened is because they have dedicated everything to next year. Um, and they actually come out and they are what Mercedes were in 2014. Don't see it quite happening like that, but maybe they'll be strong next year. Should we go for some uh, for some poll one two threes? Um, no mini poll this weekend. Obviously, the sprint race is all done for the year, so it's back to the conventional. Sorry, Robert. Back to the conventional poll one two three. Don't we? Don't we normally do bold predictions first? I don't know. I've, I've got bold predictions written down as well. Don't worry. Oh yeah, no. I, I, feel, I feel like that was an order in my head. Then it, it, it might it, be. Do you know what? Let's mix. Do you know what? Let's mix it up. If, we are. We are. We are wild. Look, we are willing to adapt as a podcast. Yeah. We're willing to try new things. And when it falls flat on its face, we're okay with that. And we move on. Because we're used to things falling flat on their face, aren't we? For 161 episodes so far. And counting. You can't yeah. get rid of us. Yet. I mean, if I fall flat on my face, nothing changes. My nose doesn't work anyway. So I'll take the fall, folks. Sam will take the fall for all of us. Poll one, two, three. What have you got, Harry? Well, pole position is going to go to Lewis Hamilton, and then this feeds directly into uh, my pole prediction. One <laughs> first will be <laughs> one. One. <laughs> one. Stop saying the word one. <laughs> oh God! First will be Charles Leclerc. Second will be Max Verstappen, and third will be Lewis Hamilton. Audible gasp. God, Leclerc turning up. Mm. Yep. C- care to explain what happens? Nah, no idea. Or you just say... <laughs> At least you're admitting it. At least you're admitting it. You've got no idea what's going to happen. There's no point in making this prediction even more wrong than it's actually going to be, is there? So I might as well... That's fair. There. Sure. Poll one, two, three from you, Sam. Uh, I am going to go with poll Lewis Hamilton... The wing, Lewis Hamilton, partially because I want the title fight to get super spicy. Uh, second place will be, and this is where it gets super spicy, Sergio Perez. And third place will be Carlos Sainz. Uh, I, should, I, I think I said this last time. I really shouldn't go last if mine are going to be boring because it's just a massive <laughs> letdown after hearing Charles Leclerc winning and Carlos Sainz on the podium. But nevertheless... I am going for Lewis Hamilton pole position. Uh, I'm then going Max Verstappen to take the race win with Lewis Hamilton in second place. And then good old Valtteri Bottas Bottas in third. Go on, Bottas. Version Qatar.0. Come on. That's version Q. 
version Q. You can see it happening. And now just to mess with all of your brains, we're doing bold predictions. But firstly, before we go ahead with this week's bold predictions, we need some we clarity go. over last week's bold predictions. So um, there was some dispute about this, whether Sam should be allowed this um, based on a technicality uh, of did they did Verstappen and Hamilton go off on the grass? Um, and it turns out, based on someone getting in touch on Twitter, that they both did just about go on the grass when they return to the circuit um so in that with that in mind we should be giving sam his correct bold prediction however i was waiting for the however. i'm not done yet because i, <laughs> I was waiting i think i celebrate because i went back and listened to what his bold prediction actually was <laughs> and, and sam's Sam's bold prediction was that Verstappen and Hamilton would both go off the circuit, which they did. They would both go on the grass, which they technically did. But they would do it on, and I quote Mr. Sam Sage when I say this, they would do it on separate occasions, which they did not do. (laughs) That's true. All right. Fair enough. Was that, is that the bold prediction that Mercedes have asked the stewards to review? Because it that's is. clearly the biggest thing that's going on, right? The right to review, the bold prediction, yeah. I, so yeah. Ben, I'm surprised you didn't have like a kaboom sound effect lined up then for when you finish. Yeah, that. I really shouldn't have done, to be honest. But Oh, well. Sorry, Sam. <laughs> but you have a chance to redeem yourself. It's not like either of us two got the bold prediction right anyway, so you don't actually have to redeem yourself. But what is your bold prediction for this weekend? Firstly, I just want to say thank you to the people for having my back and trying to prove me right. Um, big love. Big love. Um, my bold prediction is, and you'll have seen my poll one, two, three, because we twisted your melons, man, and we did it the wrong way round. So um, my bold prediction will be that Valtteri Bottas will take out Max Verstappen and neither of them will finish on the podium. Um, just as a follow-up question, not that it matters for the bold prediction, but as a follow-up question... How do you see that going down? Uh, I think that during the start process, Bottas will get a better start than Verstappen. They will go wheel to wheel. And if you remember from the review podcast, folks, we said that maybe just Bottas, just keep his foot in. He's got nothing really to lose. I think this race, he keeps his foot in with nothing to lose. All right. So Max Verstappen is taken out of the race as a result of... uh... As a result of Valtteri Bottas. So, in your version of events, the championship advantage that Verstappen holds is pretty much switching to the advantage that Hamilton would hold at the end of the race. I mean, just just for clarity, doesn't mean you DNFs. It's just no podium. Oh, okay. All right. Even so, probably getting the uh, championship advantage based on your version of events. Likely. Bold prediction from you, Harry. Um, my bold prediction is that neither Lewis Hamilton... Or Max Verstappen will win the race. I mean, you've almost gone not as bold as what your actual bold prediction is, because that could imply that Perez or Bottas wins. You've gone even bolder and said a Red Bull or a Mercedes isn't going to win. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's my bold prediction. See, this is why we shouldn't do this way round. I feel like the falling flat on our faces uh, is happening as we speak. But you, you don't know until you try. That, that's the thing. Very slow, slow fall. Very much like sprint races. Yes. Ooh. Painful. Ooh, they should be removed. Spicy. Controversial take from Harry. <laughs> My bold prediction, 
Um, you'll have noticed that my poll one, two, three was not bold in any way, shape or form. And that is because the boldness is happening towards the back of the grid. I am going to say that. And I can't believe I'm going to say this. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Through some crazy events, Nikita Mazepin will make score a point. two. Oh, okay. It's not that bold. <laughs> oh, I mean, okay. it's still pretty bold. It's still... Yeah, I, okay. That That is... That is bold boldness. So bold not boldness. not on pace is what you're saying there, Ben. Um, he might be. Is it going to rain in the desert? I I, <laughs> I think a few people won't be able to hook up laps as a result of traffic or. And Mazaping uh, is the person that will. I think he will just by virtue of other people messing up, he will scrape in. So not really. Oh, on pace, looking though. forward to that Saturday. Good. It's gonna be good. Yeah. So yeah, uh, that was our trial of putting bold predictions after poll one, two, three. It wasn't even really intended. It's just the way that I've written things down in my notes, folks. But um, safe to say, we'll be going back to normality for the next preview podcast. Yay! We tried, folks. Everyone give us a clap. We tried. We tried. We do deserve badges that say that um, because it's about all that we do. I mean, that should be the slogan for our podcast. We tried. We tried. The late-breaking F1 podcast. We try. <laughs> From now on, we will not outro our podcast with Keep Breaking Late. We will go with We Try instead. Um, and in the meantime, We, we Tried. tried. <laughs> yeah, it's very us, I'd say. No, no one else finds this funny. No one else is finding this funny. The story oh, of our lives. Um, moving on. <laughs> It seems for ages that we've had 19 of the 20 drivers confirmed for next year. And finally, Alfa Romeo have confirmed the 20th driver on the grid for next year. And as we referenced in the introduction, a big thank you to them for announcing this news before we record our weekly podcast. Big thanks out to Big Freddy Vass and the crew. (laughs) It's not Antonio Giovinazzi. Giovinazzi's had three seasons at Alfa Romeo. Um, and he has been shown the door in favour of Guan Yu Zhou, who's been in F2 for the last couple of years, in contention for the championship in F2. Um, so we'll start with we'll start with the Giovinazzi side of things, and then we'll go on to Guan Yu Zhou. But looking at Antonio Giovinazzi, looking for a fourth full season in F1, Harry, do you think that he has done enough? He did enough this season to warrant another go. No, we, we we've said it before. Oh, sorry. Are we talking about Roman Grosjean? Right? Yeah, it's <laughs> Antonio Giovinazzi we're talking about, all right? All right, cool. Um, yeah, look, we've said it before, this has been his best year, I think, easily in F1. Um, but, you know, sometimes you you can't just let that be the reason you, you keep a driver on because you've got to look back at, at you know, what previous form, how much of an improvement has it been, and... You know they've had that same lineup now since the beginning of 2019. Um, it was t- it was time for a shake-up, I think. Kimi was already on on his way out the door. Maybe he'll probably still be there next year. But um, yeah, I think it was time for 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 Alfa Romeo to to mix things up. And it, and it's not saying that Giovinazzi's not a good driver because he's proven through the junior Formula that he is, and he's already off to Formula E, which I think will be. You know we've seen it with other F1 drivers. It revitalizes them so um that i think that'll be good i think he'll be he'll be great in in formulary 
It's just never really worked out for him. And let's be honest, the Alfa Romeo he's had to drive hasn't been great anyway. Not that that's an excuse. Um, but yeah, I, I, I agree with the decision. I think it was the right one. They needed to mix things up. Giovinazzi's been good, all right, but not, not great um, by, by any standards. So he's had some good days throughout his three years, but he's never been consistent enough to to warrant, I think, a, a fourth year in that in that seat. What do you think on that one, Sam? Um, I mean, going to Formula E is like racer rehab, isn't it? It's like, Gio, put down the can of petrol. It's time to recharge your batteries and see nice. if you can achieve something elsewhere. And then maybe you'll come back revitalised. Um, yeah, I've, I've, I've made myself quite clear on the situation. I like Gio. He's you know, a very pleasant person to have on the grid. I always enjoy seeing him be interviewed and taking part in all the stuff that they do outside. But in terms of his actual racing prowess in Formula 1, he has never amazed me. I've never been won over by his skill in kind of the back half of the grid. We've never seen these drives where suddenly he's the only car that's just inside the top 10 and he's able to score points where no one else is. It's... It's always had glimmers, and those glimmers have never really materialised into something actually important and deliverable. And I don't think he's really outdriven Kimi Räikkönen either over the last three seasons. I think they've been very similar, and I've been saying that Kimi's been keeping a seat warm for a while. So if it's time for Kimi to go, unfortunately it's time for Gio to go. Um, and I know we're going to get on to his partner, you know, Guan Yu Zhao, who's now replacing him, and we'll talk about him in a minute. But I also think that there are better versions that you could have put into that seat as well. So... Um, yeah, I'm a bit sad to see Gio go, but I do think it is definitely the right call. And I'm excited to watch him in Formula E. I think he could be a little bit of a, a cheeky revelation. We could see something quite fun there for him. So good luck to him. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, and I think there are discussions as well with Alfa Romeo to keep Giovinazzi in the mix somehow with the team, which is good if he keeps that link alive whilst also going off to Formula E. I agree with what you've said. I think going off and doing a different series... Um, can give him a new challenge um, and it has worked out for other drivers as well not just with Formula E with IndyCar um, you know Kevin Magnussen's doing a great job outside of those two series so you know you, you've got other options outside of Formula One that's what we always have to remember it is the pinnacle it is what they all want to achieve but there are other racing series that are all that are also brilliant and they do give opportunities to drivers like Giovinazzi who may feel like they didn't get a fair crack at F1 for whatever reason never had the car never got the respect whatever that might be it does give the opportunity so obviously wish him the best of luck as he goes on to the next chapter of his racing career as for his last chapter uh, what has taken place over the last few years I, I mentioned earlier this year that I think what Alfa Romeo should do next year is first of all I said that they should take Valtteri Bottas which they listened to me on so that's not going to work I'm afraid um, the other thing I told them to do was keep Kimi Raikkonen for a year um, which they obviously Kimi Raikkonen smarter guy decided no I'm not going to listen to Ben and I'm going to retire maybe <laughs> um, so actually at that point I said okay keep Antonio Giovinazzi for one year just keep him for a fourth year not necessarily as a an indication of how well he's done in the car but just an indication of how he's got that continuity with the team. He's been there for a while. He's got the experience. Essentially, what I was looking for him to do was warm the seat up for a year until Theo Porcher has made the progress that people think he will make in Formula 2. He's already had a very good rookie season. Probably needs one more year. So I was looking for someone to fill that gap for a year. I thought Raikkonen could do the job. I thought Joe Manazzi could do the job as well. 
as it turns out, they've gone in a different direction. They have gone with a rookie, but it's with Guan Yu Zhou instead. So even though I think that Giovinazzi, for me, would have been in that seat next year, did he do enough? No, he, he didn't. Not enough to feel massively uh, hard done by, to be perfectly honest. And I know when it was announced, he came out and said that, uh, I can't quite remember the exact quote, but he mentioned money um, in his goodbye tweet, essentially, um, and, which I didn't think was a great... I, I like Giovinazzi a lot. I didn't think it was a great move because, to be perfectly honest, could he have done more to keep his seat? Yeah, he could have done. It's not as if he was kicked out after half a season or if he was kicked out after one season and wasn't given a fair shot. He was given three whole seasons to perform at the team. He was given more than his fair share of chances. And ultimately, whilst he is a fine driver, Formula One has reached a standard now that fine is back of the grid. That That's, that's the way it is. You've got multiple established stars. You've got multiple stars that are, are young and upcoming. You've got some solid drivers around that. When you've taken those three categories together, you're only left with about five drivers left on the grid. So being fine would have been okay 10 years ago would have been okay 20 years ago but it's it's not okay now versus the rest of the pack so yeah i again i like Giovinazzi a lot and i don't want to ever um shout about someone definitely deserving to go as i say i would have actually kept him for the year but i don't think he can be massively hard done he can, he can feel massively hard done by by this the results just aren't there um you're right. This season, this season has been a an improvement. I still think he's actually been worse than Raikkonen on the whole. Um, the points say that, but I think the performances say it as well. Kimi Raikkonen's problem is he only does the first ninety percent of the race before spinning out. Um, but even so, I still think he's done a better job this year. Um, yeah, but I, I I do wish him luck in Formula E, and I hope he succeeds there. And I I feel he will he will do well. Looking at the other side of the garage, then, so Guan Yu Zhou is coming into the seat. It's been heavily rumoured for quite a while now, uh, a few months that it's been rumoured. What are your thoughts on Guan Yu Zhou? He spent quite a bit of time in Formula 2, could end up winning the championship this year, although he is still a bit of an outside bet versus Oscar Piastri. So what are your thoughts on the uh, on him being taken, Harry? Uh, my first thought is, the F2 championship still going? I thought it had finished. I forget his song. Yeah, I'm so glad they're going back to that new format the next year. The next round but... is in uh, four years' time, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> what After is the, the point? Summer break. Yeah. Um, yeah, look, I think, you know, arguably he should have been one of the contenders for for an Alpine seat. Um, and obviously that one, that's taken up by Fernando Alonso. Love big fun, so I'm not going to argue that. Although, you know, he's not got, he's not got, not got long left in his career. Um but yeah, I think he's shown enough promise in his... And, you know, he might still go on to win the F2 Championship, which, as I say, bizarrely, he's not finished yet. Um, but I think he's shown enough promise and during his during the junior formula that to, to warrant an F1 seat. And, yeah, you, you I don't see... I don't see anything wrong. There's so many good drivers at that level now that you could take your pick over a few of them. As Ben, as ben you've already mentioned, Piastri... Porsche, he's another one. Um, so, yeah, I think it's a good call in terms of F1. That's a, it's a nice little market for them to 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 have a, a an F1, uh, F1 influence. Particularly, you know, 
since we haven't been to Shanghai over the past couple of years. Um, it's not going to do any harm whatsoever, and hopefully we'll help F1 grow in, in that market. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's a, it's a good call. My only concern for him is that maybe he is just there to fill a seat for a year um, in, whilst they wait for uh, Porsche to be available, which would be a shame. But then he, it's better than not being in the seat for a year and not getting the chance to prove yourself because he could, he could, he could absolutely stun everyone, and there'd be no, you know, no grounds to be or for him to be replaced. So um, yeah, I think it's a good call. He's a decent driver and deserves a chance to prove himself. Sam, you've already alluded to what your answer might be on this, but what are your thoughts on Guan Yu Zhou taking up the seat? I know I like to disagree with Harry, but on this occasion, I'm going to disagree with him on such an immense extent that I actually oh. take pure joy in what I'm going oh, to say. Oh, we love it. Um, yeah, Harry, I think you're quite literally completely wrong. Um, Guang Yu Zhou is give, you know, seems like a really lovely chap. In the interviews, he always does well. He always holds himself well. But I get proper Jolian Palmer slash Nick Latifi vibes of... I've been in F2, or the junior formula, for quite a long time. I haven't really achieved much in that junior formula. And let's just remember, when Mick Schumacher won the junior formula, Nikita Mazepin was also in the same season, didn't finish in the top three. But guess who finished behind Nikita Mazepin? Guang Yu Zhou. That's right. Mazepin beat Zhou in equal machinery. Um, and I think if you are disappointed with how Mazepin has turned out so far this time round... You might not be loving what Guan Yu Zhou is going to be bringing to the uh, the grid next season. Um, the chap's about to turn 23 or is 23 in the next kind of six months or so, which is, in ridiculous modern-day terms, old for a new F1 driver. I hate that. I'm 26, but he is old for a new F1 driver. Um, and that, it's a stigma that maybe should be removed because you can still bring good talent from 23, I'm sure. But... It isn't too promising that he hasn't been snapped up earlier on. Um, if you're going to take a punt on a driver, if you're going to hire an Alpine driver, then why not go for Piastri? Why not say to Alpine, hey, let's have him on loan for a couple of seasons. We'll put him in the uh, the Alpha and um, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll give him a seat for a couple of seasons. You can have it back by X date or something like that. Because Piastri is going to win this season. I can't see Zhao really catching up. There's not enough races, in my opinion, left. Piastri's been immense. Um, I really think that he deserves an actual seat in the sport way more than Guangzhou Zhou does. Uh, Porsche, I think, is also far more promising considering that he's in his first F2 season. He's won F3, obviously, first time of asking. And I think he's doing a brilliant job already. And he's also in the mix as well for those seats going on in the future. I simply feel that this allows for Alpha to have great advertisement in the Chinese area. He is a seat filler, which is going to keep it warm for a season, maybe two. He also brings massive sponsorship money to that team. And whether they can use that in the budget cap or not, it doesn't matter, because they'll still receive investment across the whole company, which of course is massively beneficial to Alfa Romeo generally. So, this just feels like a business sensible move, not a putting the talent in a seat to try and get ourselves the furthest up the grid move. I think they'll be placing all their bets on Valtteri Bottas next season. I would not have made this signing. Um, I think overall, I'm probably somewhere in the middle of you two, to be honest. Um, I think I think comparing Guan Yu Zhou to Nicholas Latifi is a little bit harsh in that 
Nicholas Latifi ended up finishing second in his fourth full year of, of F2. He actually did a half season as well, so pretty much four and a half seasons at F2 or GP2 level before he finished second. Guan Yu Zhou's in his third year and is in second. Uh, Guan Yu Zhou also finished seventh in his first year of F2. Uh, Nicholas Latifi finished worse than seventh in at least two of the seasons he was in F2. So I think overall Guan Yu Zhou has probably shown more promise versus Nicholas Latifi at this level. Having said that, if you're comparing to Nicholas Latifi's junior record, you're not looking at the better of the junior drivers if that's your comparison point. So uh, I think he is perhaps more towards Nicholas Latifi than, say, someone like Charles Leclerc or George Russell that stormed through um, junior formulae. Um, yeah, I mean, you've already mentioned a couple of names there, Piastri and Porsche. If I'm looking at those three names and I and I have to, you know, rank them one to three, who's going to have the most successful Formula One career if they were all given equal opportunities? Yeah, Guan Yu Zhou would finish third out of those three. I don't think it's a fantastic hire from them. You're right that for Formula One, having a Chinese driver is going to be very helpful. Um, but I, I I can't buy into the fact that he isn't talented at all. I, a lot of people I've seen a lot of a lot of tweets, a lot of people commenting. Basically trying to slag this guy off as if he's never raced a car before. He's, he's second place in Formula 2. He's, he's all right. He's perfectly fine. Um, I, I think, you know, it's just about how good is he? he? He'll be fine. It's about whether, and this is going back to the Giovinazzi point, fine isn't enough anymore. So can he be more than that? You're right to bring up his finish last year in Formula 2 behind Sonoda, behind Mazepin, behind obviously the champion Mick Schumacher. I don't think it was a particularly strong year in F2 last year, and he couldn't take advantage of that and finish higher than where he did. Um, so there is that to play. I, I think it will I think it will be okay. I do think it will be a seat-warming year because I think Porsche has much more potential than he does. Uh, but he is, you know, it's just so happened that Porsche isn't ready this year. They risk another Sonoda incident, and we know that Sonoda's not really been ready this year so I think they were trying to avoid that um, but yeah I, I, I don't have any massive objection to this again I wish him the best of luck and, and, and wish wish him all the best um, but yeah the, there are there are better drivers there are drivers with more potential in my view in F2 but it's not a criminal buyer <laughs> So before we go any further, um, Beer52, great friends of the podcast, clearly heard our first fantastic uh, ad read, so they're interested. Great friends of the podcast, and they know it as well. They are the largest beer club in the world, and getting ready for the Christmas period, you can get craft beer from them. Eight free beers, plus an extra two free beers, which if you do the math, Sam, that's ten free beers. Thanks, Ben. Mr. Statman over there. Did you know when we got the email through, I thought it was the B-52s, you know, the classic band that sang Love Shack. And I thought, are they going to get us to maybe perform like New Year's Love Shack parody songs? You know, the jingles that we do maybe in in New York or somewhere special. But it turns out it's even better because I get free beers and you might get free beers if you follow this. So if you do want that, go to www.beer52.com forward slash late. I'm going to say it again. Because sometimes you lot moan about volume. www.beer52.com forward slash late, as in late breaking. Luckily, it's the late bit and not the breaking bit, which you all spell wrong as well. Um, and just cover the postage costs of £5.95. 
each month, members are sent a case with a different theme. The themes are crazy. I've actually had Beer 52 personally myself outside with the podcast. We once got this strawberry beer, and it was surprisingly really tasty. So... Crack on with that if you get that, it's lucky. Uh, usually these beers are from a different part of the world. It comes with a magazine, a little snack, so you can have a little reading, a munch or something while you have a little a little beer. If you don't like dark beer, you can choose the light option as well, so everyone's a winger. <laughs> that was wild. Um, I was going to say, uh, well, Sam's obviously had some beer 52. I've not. Ben doesn't drink beer, but they are gonna. the kind people at beer 52 are going to send us some beer. But right now we don't have any. But I imagine it tastes delightful. It is delightful. I cannot imagine. I've had it and it was absolutely delightful. <laughs> well, if there's one thing I know about you, Harry, is you never get anything wrong. So I can be fairly confident you're right with that. <laughs> Great. Okay. Well, folks, you can pause or cancel at any time. Go. I mean, Sam said this 15 times, but go to www.beer52.com forward slash late if you didn't realise that already. And pay five ninety five postage to get all of this. Now, remember this month you can get two extra free beers, which, as Ben pointed out, makes ten. Quick maths. maths. We move on to uh, to Mercedes because uh, I've, I've heard some news actually that Mercedes have decided to appeal the fact that there wasn't a penalty. In the Verstappen versus Hamilton incident, where do you happen? I mean, yeah. we we don't talk about Verstappen or Hamilton enough on the podcast or in the Formula One world, so I think it's time we owe them some space. Bit of airtime for these uh, unknowns, I guess. No, yeah, these new kids on the block. Mm. Yeah, sure, why not? Up and comers. Um, <laughs> if, if you want to know what our thoughts are on the incident itself head to the review podcast that we did for Brazil because we outlined everything there, what we thought. Should it have been a penalty? Should it not have been a penalty? So we, we'll leave that discussion for that review podcast. But we do at least want to look at the process of Mercedes wanting to review this, the potential of the decision being overturned. Will it happen? Will it not? So we'll start with that. Harry, do you think that this will this will work for Mercedes? Do you think that this will, will go through? Um, I think I'd hazard a guess and say no, it won't. Uh, I know there's the contentious issue that the onboard footage from Max's car or facing forward, the you know forward facing on but on board footage was not available at the time. Um, so I get that's obviously their grounds for for the appeal. Um, but I I don't see I don't see it being enough of um. Like Ben, as you said, in your view, it was. I know you just said we've already covered this, but in your view, it was a slam dunk penalty. Didn't need to see the the onboard footage, and I think in the same in that same vein, I think the stewards will argue that they had enough evidence there, whether that's right or not. Um, but I think they'll argue that they had enough evidence there to make a decision at the time, and this doesn't actually present anything anything new. So. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, a, a. I know why Mercedes has done it, and it doesn't cost them anything to do it, does it? Um, but I, I don't. I'm not sure. I see it, it going anywhere. I don't. I don't know whether they've got the hearing tomorrow, which will then decide whether they'll get to appeal it. So it's not like tomorrow's decision day entirely. Um, they might get through that bit, but I think then after that, I think I don't think the decision is going to be overturned. Um, and as you know, controversial as it is, and and 
you know, I, 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 as I said, I think it was fine, but, you know, there are lots of people who think it, it should be a penalty, but I don't know whether, the, you know, if this is deemed to be a penalty, I don't know whether I want it to all be decided a week after the event and then that does that have a knock-on effect after because you're giving a penalty in a race you know say it's five seconds Verstappen had backed off I think towards the end of that race and he let Bottas get within whatever a second of him if the penalty being dished out during the race would Verstappen and Red Bull have let that happen probably not so it just all gets very messy so I don't think I, that's how I want this championship to be decided maybe that's what you're thinking I don't know but overall I don't think it's going to be overturned but I am famously wrong, literally. Uh, breaking news on the podcast here. Uh, it has been overturned. No, it hasn't. Um, Sam, what, what are you, what's your view? Do you think that there is a chance that this will be overturned? And what's your thoughts on the actual process of reviewing this in the first place? Um, I would like to think there is a chance that it could be overturned. I, you know, I don't think I'd be angry either way, but... I feel like the stewards here have got a real chance to set themselves a an actual precedent, an actual way of dealing with this moving forward. And this is kind of what they could come out. They could use this as the prime example now of going, look, there's been some uncertainty. This has taken some time, but this is now going to be the precedent moving forward for wheel-to-wheel instance on track where drivers are crowded off the track, whether it be malicious and intentful or purely through understeer and your loss of control of the car. Um... This is their chance, I believe, now, with the amount of press it's getting around the situation, to sort out a final definite answer and penalty amount that they can be consistent and true to moving forward. If I'm Mercedes, firstly, I would think before putting out social media statements, because apparently they do all their talking on the track, and they're going to win this championship on the track, and then within two days had gone, um, actually we've seen the cameras and we've decided we don't want to do it on track anymore, can we do well, a steward thing now? That's kind of the whole you point, know. isn't it? It wasn't I mean, on technically track. Technically it was off track. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Technically it's off track. So, regardless, I mean, the, the point is, they tried to make a big hoo-ha of, yeah, whatever, forget that, we're going to win anyway, and it, I think it's kind of backfired a little bit as a social sentiment point of view. Um, that's my social media management speak coming through there, calling it social sentiment. Um, but I think that they have every single... Oh, social media manager. I think they have every single right to, um, to to protest this. I think you'd be silly not to. I think if you're a team boss, if you're Toto or whatever, you're sat there and you're going, why not? If there is a 1% chance that we get this overturned and it gives us the benefit of the championship points moving to the final three races of the season, it gives us the leg up, everyone would do it. I heard a quote that Christian Horner went... I wouldn't do it. I would just leave it. Oh, shut up, Christian. We know full well you're saying that because the shoe is on the other foot and you want to go, nah, that's not me. That's not me. Act like Toto Wolf. That's not me. I wouldn't ever complain after a race because I just want to do the racing on track. To- Christian, mate, wind your neck in, sunshine. We know full well that you love a moan and you love to dispute anything going. So you would complain about this and I think Mercedes have every single right to complain about this. Um... Do I think it's going to be overturned? I think there is maybe a 15-20% chance that it does get overturned. And I would like the stewards to come out and declare, firstly, why, and then what the operation is going to be going forward, because I think this is a really strong chance to do it. Um, But I don't think it will. I think that knowing the stewards, they'll want to stand their ground, they'll want to look like they got it right in the first time, and they'll go, we knew that the car wasn't fully in control of in the first place due to other data, 
this doesn't change our opinions on this. We're sticking with the decision. But if you must say this, you have to give it a go. Yeah, I, I don't... I don't hold it against Mercedes that they've given it a go. Red Bull would have given it a go if it was the other way around. It's it's a championship fight. That's the way it is. Um, I'll put my you know my view is that this should be a penalty, one hundred percent, no doubt about it. But I'll put that to one side because that's almost irrelevant at the moment. I because what we're actually focusing on here is the process. Um, I have to say, stewards get a bit of a knocking on this podcast they really do stewarding over the last few years we've had a lot of complaints about it but this might be the worst thing the stewards have done since we've started recording this podcast i have to say stewarding on the whole is an absolute embarrassment to the sport it really is they need to they urgently need to review the way stewarding is done generally like the end of this season before next year. They need to do it because it's it comes up again and again and it is just embarrassing. I can't imagine what other sports or, or very casual fans perhaps wanting to invest more time in Formula One. I can't imagine what they think about some of these things that, that crop up because these decisions that are made days after the races have happened, they, it can't happen. It's an embarrassment from the stewards on multiple on multiple fronts. Firstly, how don't you have the onboard footage from one of your cars? At any like that should be you should have that available at all times. And if you don't have that available at a, at a point in the race, that needs to be raised immediately because that hampers your ability to make a decision. So that's the first level of embarrassment is not even having that footage to begin with. The second level of embarrassment is why didn't they try and get it before making the decision? I, I, you know, I, I said it should have been a penalty regardless of what the onboard footage was. But, you know, if, if you're the stewards, you should probably do a more thorough job than me sitting on my armchair in my in my bedroom. So, you know, you've got that at your disposal. Uh, and then thirdly, they've kind of just put themselves in a corner now because they have penalised. Not only, I was going to say similar incidents. They've penalised quote unquote worse, oh, sorry, better incidents than this earlier on in the year. If you're looking at say Austria, where you've got um, Perez getting involved with just about everyone and driving them off the track, um, you know you've got two cars going side by side. One of them has been pushed out to the gravel and a penalty has been given. This incident is different from that because it's even worse in that the car didn't stay on the track whilst forcing the other one off the track. So if you don't penalise this, you cannot... There's just no consistency. And I think they've put themselves in a corner here because what they what can they do? They can either A, overturn the decision, which basically is them admitting we got this wrong because we didn't have the footage and we couldn't be bothered to go out there and get it before making a decision... That makes the stewards look terrible. Not like they need any help, but it makes them look terrible. <laughs> or secondly, they stick with the decision, which I, actually I think they're going to do. I think they'll stick with this decision. At which point you're basically saying, that is fine. You can do that. You you can do exactly what Max Verstappen did out in Brazil. And regardless, regardless of whether you think that's a penalty or not, you've got to live with the consequences of that will be acceptable from now on. Because if if Max Verstappen can do it there, you can do it anywhere. You have permission, if you are on the inside, 
and you are defending and you are side by side, just about, you have permission to run the other driver off the track whilst also going off the track yourself. That is acceptable from now on. So regardless, regardless of where you think that, that's what's going to happen. The stewards, I, I don't think they can win either way. And like I said, I think stewarding needs a massive overhaul. And I, it's not against any individual steward. It's not like I go into a race weekend, have a look at the stewarding panel and say, well, those two have made some dodgy decisions in the past. This is not going to be great. I have no problem with any individual steward. I just have a problem with stewarding generally. Needs to be done way better than what it is right now. Um, like I said, I don't think this is going to be overturned. I also don't think you should have the right to review after a race weekend. I, where does it stop? Like, at what point does a decision become unreviewable? I'm half expecting McLaren to, to come out and review what happened in 1990. You know, um, I've, I've just heard actually that Michael Schumacher is now a six-time world champion because Damon Hill has been awarded the 1994 world championship as a result of a penalty. <laughs> and where do you stop? You've got to stop somewhere. Um, so, yeah, overall, I don't think they'll overturn it. But this just doesn't look good. This doesn't look good. I mean, I would go as far to say that it isn't just embarrassing. It's embarrassing, which is the worst version of embarrassing. Wow. And, Harry, far? I think you... Yeah, I would. Embarrassing. Harry, I think you make a really good point, actually, where um, it changed the face of the race, right? It, Max Verstappen got told... You're all good. No penalty. So he knew that he only had to manage his engine, his tyres. He backed right off. Um, and if you know, you need to have a decision made within, let's say, five laps. So the actual fate of the race can be changed. Because if he gets a penalty now and he's backed off and he's gone, well, I was told I was fine. There wasn't a problem two days ago. And now there is a problem. I've now lost points when I wouldn't have lost those points in the first place. So regardless, this looks bad. I would like the stewards to put their hands up and go we've made an incorrect decision here. You're right. You can't run drivers off the road and come off the road as well. Um, That's wrong in future. I'd rather they just admit they're wrong and go, we're going to learn from this rather than just continuously say, yep, run each other off the road because Qatar is very similar to Brazil in terms of its runoff areas where they are very much not grass or gravel or, um, you know, areas where you couldn't get the car going again. They are very similar to the likes of Bahrain. So we could see the same things happen again in Qatar. If it does, it's fine then, I guess. You said Ben. It's completely fine. I think uh, what describes the uh, Stuart situation, I think there's a couple of words, is there's rock and hard place. And uh, ah, I think that's the where they are right the rock Johnson. Stuck in the uh, Stuck in the old middle of them. Honestly, consistency. That's all we're asking for. All we're asking for is consistency. That, that lesser big. known, that lesser known Black Eyed Peas track. Where is the consistency? <laughs> <laughs> I love that sequel. Sometimes the sequel is better than the original. Yeah, sometimes. Where is the consistency? Skewers <laughs> <laughs> penalising drivers. Oh, I wonder where that's handing out oh, penalties of five. Skewers <laughs> <laughs> practice what they preach, then they turn the other cheek. That was beautiful. Wow. Thanks. That was utterly beautiful. And it's a good thing that you've warmed up your vocal cords because it's not the last song you will be singing tonight because F1 back and forth is making an appearance. Here we go. F1 back and forth. It's F1. 
back and forth, it goes backwards, then goes forth, it's F1, back and forth, F1. Definitely live, that. <laughs> yep. I mean, every, every time when it gets about halfway through that song and, and you go, it goes backwards, and then I never know what the next line's going to be, and it's <laughs> and then goes forth. I, it's I always a cliffhanger. If you if you look through MTV's top biggest plot twists or IMDb's biggest plot twists <laughs> of uh, the, the last century, F <laughs> um, back and forth is regularly at the top of viewers' lists for some unknown reason. Anyway, let's move on. We've got an interesting back and forth. Just to explain the rules for anyone who hasn't listened along to one of these before, it's Sam versus Harry. F1 back and forth. I will give them a topic where there will be a number of correct answers. They have to go back and forth with correct ones until one of them can't think of anything or gives a wrong answer. Today's a bit. Today's one is a bit of a tricky one. You'll be glad to know. Oh. It's... Um, I'm sure you'll come up with some answers, but there are a few here that are going to just miss the cusp. A few that are very close that you might go for, but um, I'll let you know what it is. So Valtteri Bottas, and this is somewhat of a clue. You shouldn't say Valtteri Bottas as one of your answers after I've said this. (laughs) Put it that way. Valtteri Bottas is approaching his 100th race for Mercedes. It's his 99th race this weekend. And then at Saudi Arabia, if indeed they decide they have a track, that will be his 100th race. So he's approaching that milestone, and you might well be able to guess what tonight's one is. We are looking for any driver that has had 100 races with the same team. Oh. There are 18 of them overall. Um, although there are 18 overall, two of them have done it for two different teams. Um, but 18 unique drivers that have achieved this. And I say be careful because there are a lot that are around the 90, 95 range that might catch you out, but we will soon find out. Um, you only you only have to give the driver, although I'm sure you'll be able to give the teams for nearly all of them anyway, but um, Harry, would you mind kicking us off with this one? Drivers with at least 100 races for the same team. Michael Schumacher. He tops the list. Michael Schumacher, 180 races Ferrari Sam Um, Sebastian Vettel Sebastian Vettel is correct uh, and he's one of the two that have done it for two different teams he's done it for Ferrari 118 and Red Bull 113 Harry Um, Lewis Hamilton Uh, and he's the other one who's done it for two different teams 175 for mercedes so he should well he will break that record next year uh but he also did it for mclaren as well 110 races for them sam next answer uh we've had michael so i will go rubens barrichello whoa just about uh, Rubens Barrichello Ooh. did 102 races for Ferrari. <laughs> Very close, okay. uh, but you're right, Harry. Um, big DC. Big DC. Exactly 150 races for McLaren. Sam. Felipe Massa. 
Felipe Massa is a correct answer. 139 races for Ferrari. Harry. Um, does... What if they've left the same team and come back to it again? They all count. It's not the same stint. Fine. Kimi Raikkonen? Kimi Raikkonen is a correct answer. Uh, third on the list, 151 races for Ferrari. Sam? Um, Mika Hakkinen. Mika Hakkinen is a correct answer. 131 races for them. Going through the list quite nicely here. We've got... How many more have we got? We've got another 10, I think, still to go. 10? Harry. Oh, God, I think I've run out already. Um, yeah, I'm close. Who else just doesn't want to leave? <laughs> <laughs> what if? Why won't you go? Another what if? What if they were one team, and now they're called another team? Oh, yeah, blue. I need that answer, please. But they're both blue. <laughs> <laughs> the colour is what makes the difference. <laughs> Oh, I mean, a, I'm at, he, he, I mean, this this driver might have already done the hundred races when it was just the team as it was called then, and not what it's called now, because he's only done a few races as, as what it's called now. Ben, do you know where I'm going with this? I, I know where you're going with this, and I don't actually have an answer prepared for you. Um, I think it's if they change. Harry, names, why don't we give you a freebie? If they change names, I think it's, it's counted as two different teams. Obviously, now I'm worried that... I, I think we should allow Harry to have this as a freebie just to see if it technically goes down as an answer on your thing. All right. We'll, but we'll... but I, feel, I feel like this driver might have already done hit the 100 mark anyway before it, it, the, the team changed name. So, Fernando Alonso? Okay. Fernando Alonso is a correct answer. 105 races. Ah, and a few for Alpine. <laughs> Yes, yeah. I'm trying to work out based on maths whether that would include Alpine. I, I'm guessing it doesn't, but not 100% sure. That, that was funny enough, one of my answers, and I wanted the Rego question answered, uh, so thank you. Very good. Um, Alright, I'll take a punt. Have we... I, I can't remember if we've had this one. Have we had Big JB, Jensen Button? We have not had Jensen Button, and it is a correct answer. 136 races for McLaren. Starting to get down to... How many did he get for Honda? I was thinking it, but it was BAR, wasn't it? And then it was Honda, so yeah. I get to oh. again. And I'm Braun. Um, Eight more answers Eight are out more. there, Harry. Can you get any of them? Yikes. Uh, Nico Rosberg? Nico Rosberg, he is the, uh, the most number of the ones that left, 136 for Mercedes. Sam... Alan Prost. It's a good guess. Alan Prost, 107 races for <sighs> McLaren. <laughs> that was a pun. We have six more to go, Harry. Mark Webber? Mark Webber is a correct answer. 129 for Red Bull. Five to go, Sam. Um... I think I'm going to have to take a punt just because 
And folks, this might be a strange reason as to know why. This is when I started playing the Formula One games properly. And I quite enjoyed being this racing driver. It was the man who sits under a tree, <laughs> quick Nick Heidfeld. I love me some Nick, quick Nick Heidfeld. Uh, but on this occasion, he's let you down, I'm afraid. Nick Heidfeld oh. is not a correct answer. Unlucky. Um, How many did he do? I'm not too sure, but not 100. Uh, I'm going to look it up. Yeah, I guess because he did Sauber, but then it went to BMW Sauber. That might be the, uh, the kicker there, I'm afraid. Is that just not on engine? Uh, to be honest, he I was at Williams. The, I don't think he did 100 for them anyway, I'd guess. But Oh, yeah, Williams in between. Very good point, Benjamin. Do you ha- Hold on, I found a page here. I found an official Formula 1 page here. It says Nick Heigfield, 125 starts for Sauber. Right there. Nah, not on my list, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I've been mugged off. I can't look at any others because it's cheating. But um, I'll take the L. I'll take the um, L. Yeah, sorry about that. Um, I can only assume then that yes, that is the uh, that is the reason. It would be BMW. I, I, just f- for the people who helped me out last time. I would like your support once again in another controversial decision on the late breaking podcast. Sorry about it. <laughs> did you have any uh, Who did... any other yeah, guesses? Senna would not have been a correct answer. No. Um... Nigel. What about the man who defends thin air? Uh, doc- Dr. Nigel, I'm afraid, is not a correct answer on this occasion. Neither is thing. Giancarlo Fisichella. I'll, um, oh, anyone else? Yano I'll put Trulli. you out of your misery. Um, a few of these are quite difficult. Some of them you, you might kick yourself. Um, five more that you missed. So uh, Jacques Lafitte did 132 for Ligier. Uh, Nelson Piquet did 106 for Brabham. Daniel Ricciardo did exactly 100 oh. for Red Bull. Uh, oh, wow, yeah. Pierluigi Martini had 102 for Minardi. Um, and One of the best games of all time. You might remember that I started off this segment by saying that Valtteri Bottas is very near to 100. And he started racing for Mercedes at the beginning of 2017. And you might also have a think that Max Verstappen started racing for Red Bull before Valtteri Bottas started racing for Mercedes. Oh, that's a very good point, Ben. How many has he got? Uh, He has got 115 races for Red Bull. He literally celebrated that this year, didn't he? Yep. Yeah, he did. Ah, idiots. It's, It's slightly terrifying that of all drivers that have done over 100... He's 12th on the list. He's basically 12 years old. It's terrifying. That is terrifying. Um, Justice for Nick Heidfeld, folks. That's what we're going for here. I was also not sure if you were going to trip up on someone who had 99 race starts for a team. Um, I was half expecting one of you to fall for it. Uh, Sergio I Perez, 99. Is that... I, I nearly said Perez. Who is that for? Force India? Uh, yeah. But yeah. just Force India, not Racing Point. Yeah, I should have got... I, I, it's a good it's a good question. I didn't think of that distinction and whether that would affect the stats or not. Um It's yeah. like there's only ever been one winner of the Sao Paulo Grand Prix. True. Very true. Lewis Hamilton does like oh. to win new races all the time and he's technically <laughs> yeah. done it again. This is true. 
cheeky little bugger. What a yeah. cheeky, cheeky little boy. Well, oh, I suppose we should hear my lovely vocals. Again. Yeah, go on then. F1, back and forth, it's F1. Back and forth, it goes backwards. Then goes forth, it's F1. Back and forth, F1. My favourite bit is definitely the hi hat. <laughs> Sam oh. was literally sat playing a hi hat then. He, he I was. really enjoy it. And just, it goes backwards. What's it going to do next? I never <laughs> know. And it went forth. Oh, it's forth again! Every time is a shocker. Uh, back and forth. Never lets us down. Um, but what is letting us down is Harry Yeed. He's not going to be here for the review podcast on Sunday. So it'll just be me and Sam for Qatar review time. But until then... Oh, sorry, you're going to defend yourself. This is- this, uh, <laughs> not defending myself, but last time I, uh, I missed the race, folks. Um, Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen ended up in the gravel trap and Daniel Ricciardo won. So True. you're welcome. Certified banger coming up this weekend. <laughs> um, Sam, if you wouldn't mind getting us out of here until then. Folks, we have absolutely no idea what this weekend has in store for us. For all we know, we could turn up and they could be racing around in uh, Brew 6. Um... That could be quite fun, actually. Uh, so let's hope for a very exciting Grand Prix. Get your, you know, get get your bold predictions and get your poll one, two, threes on the Discord. Tweet us as well at L Breaking. We're going to be there all weekend as well, uh, making sure that everything is live, of course. And we will, of course, be back after the race. Just the two of us will make it if we try for the review podcast of the Qatar Grand Prix as well. Uh, three races to go, folks. The season is hotting up. In the meantime, I've been Samuel Zane. I've been Ben Hocking. I've been Doctor Nige. And remember, keep breaking late. Sausages out for gasoline! Find more great shows or join the team at sport-social.co.uk Sports Social Podcast Network I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.